G'day crew, what does the All Black team look like in 2024? 0800-150811, start calling, let's, let, let's, let's be end of season selectors, change of positions, change of personnel, that's what we're going to do the first hour, so I'm just telling you now so you can start ringing, because uh, we've got some good callers out there with some thoughts, not, not necessarily what you want, because I honestly feel like the vernacular out there might be sweeping changes. Might be, well, Jordan will be fullback, Ricky Arnie will be wing. Um, because it's Scott Robertson, he'll have Scott Barrett as captain. Uh, Ethan Blackadder will start. I don't know if he'll go as wider changes as that. Obviously, enforced changes, particularly at lock. So, really keen to hear who your top two locks you think will be come our first test next year. So 0800-150-811. For that, let's really have a good chat about it. And who makes their way in? Amoni Narawa, one of the forgotten men of New Zealand rugby who was injured out of the World Cup, was in fantastic form. Fantastic. Can he find his way back in? Does Quintapaya make his way back in, having had a pretty good season? What happens at halfback? Because I think Weeby's off, isn't he? Yes, Weeby's off, so we need three. We need three halfbacks. And um, Aaron Smith's gone. Cam Roygaard will be one. Does Finley Christie retain his place? Probably. But who's the third one now? Do we go for our Whakatawa? So many positions. So many talking points in between seasons. Um, also on the show today, we have Saya Duplessis. Uh, he's a South African TV journalist for Supersport and a producer for all of the sports coverage out there. Very well respected, man. I want to talk to him about South Africa's pro tiers. What a demolition job last night. They were, if you were watching it as a neutral, it was so one-sided. They were absolutely brilliant. Their batting performance. We won the toss and sent them in. I don't know why. I really don't know why, because they they hate chasing. They, they, they haven't been good at chasing. Yes, we have been good at chasing, but... We handed the impetus back to them. As Simon Dahl said uh, after the anthems as they were scattering around the field, and he said, we've handed the advantage back to South Africa without a ball being bowled. Can't hear your thoughts on that as well. Also talking to Jack Jordan today. He's a Kiwi Axman as part of the New Zealand Timber Sports team. They're at the World Champs in Stuttgart in Germany. I think the team's event starts tomorrow night. And then uh, the World Champs start after that. And of course... They'll be competing with heavy hearts, but with a lot of pride in doing it for Jason Wynyard, um, who sadly passed away, feels like a couple of weeks ago. What was it, a month, six weeks, two months ago? Um, our iconic Axeman will not be there. Will not be there. Taken far too soon. So Jack Jordan, he's actually stated he wants to do it for Jason. So how much pressure does that put on, on him? Tony Johnson will join us after two o'clock as we... 
We'll talk about the World Cup, the year in rugby and what next year looks like for him, uh, his take on it. We also have uh, Show Me The Money today. We got so close last week. The closest without getting it we've been for a long, long time with just the All Blacks going down by one. But the phone lines are open. 0800 150 What does the All Black side look like? I'm really keen to hear what you people think. Let's find out, first of all, from Mikey. G'day, Mikey. G'day, Staffy. Um, very, very intriguing. I think there will be sweeping changes. I think his front row is sorted. Mm. I don't think he's got any issues there. Um, what's going to be intriguing, enough, and I honestly think, despite what a lot of callers and I have probably said in the past, that Rico's probably going to stay where he is, at I least for the first few tests. I do too. Um, I think, I definitely think, well, Jordan's going to fall back, but that leaves an intriguing option for Sean Stevenson this year in Super Rugby. Because let's not forget, Super Rugby is going to be quite key for, uh, for Razor because I think form is definitely going to be a big thing for him mm. as opposed to... Because he's got no ties to any of the All Blacks in the sense of like running the ship, right? So form's going to be a big issue, for a uh, big thing for him. Um, the intriguing ones for me are going to be number eight, um, uh, first five, and halfback. So almost the spine of it, really. Um, and captain as well. Because where really do you think he would put Artie? I know. It's tough. You know, a lot of calls for Artie to not be number eight, but to go to uh, number seven. Would he? Would he do that, do you think? It's hard, isn't it? Because how hard would it be on Sam Kane for him to, be, to lose the captain's armband when, apart from that... Indiscretion. Um, wasn't a minor indiscretion, the red card. He really hit his straps at this Rugby World Cup, and I think he showed his leadership qualities. Does one red card lose him that captain's armband? I don't think even if he didn't get a red card, he'd lose that captain's armband. I just have the feeling that if Razor wants it to be his team, he want to choose a different captain. Mm. That would be that would be the feeling I get, right? Um I mean, Sam Kane is. Yeah, I mean, God, I hope he has a good Christmas in that. But he's got a he's got a lot, to, and he's got a lot of thinking to do. But he's got a lot to prove, just in terms of being the best player he possibly can again during the Super Rugby. Because mm. I don't think there's going to be some. I mean, the only guarantee I would ever say that would be on that field would be probably Artie, right? <laughs> and <laughs> you know, because form's going to play a lot into it, I think. But um, and it, but would it, I know he was a fan of Scott. Uh, sorry. Um, uh, Scott Barrett as captain of the Crusaders. Whether he chose him for the All Blacks, one would tend to think possibly. Mm. Um, I couldn't really. I mean, if it was me, I would choose Artie as captain for sure. I thought he was. Um, I thought he was great. Question the referee at the World Cup final, and I honestly thought he was pretty good as captain um, for the Canes as well. Um, so. I'm not giving you any different definitive answers that you're asking for here, mm. but it, it's, it's just intriguing. Yeah, I think part of it is like who should be captain. It's also about the ramifications amongst the playing group if Scott Robertson says Sam's no longer your captain, Artie is or Scott is or Bowden is or whoever whoever it is. Um, They have a lot of trust and belief and love for their captain and Scott Water Robertson will weigh that up, how he sells it to the team. Maybe he'll go co-captains or something like that. I don't know. Um, It's a tough one. Can I be a little bit brutal on that one, though? Mm. Um, do you want to be an All Black or not? Do you want to play for your country or not? Um, and 
this is going to be the coach. This is the coach that you've got to trust now. And if you don't trust him, well, then don't play for him. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. I know what you're saying. I, I trust what I hear what you're saying, but I just think Scott's got to come in with a bit of a broom and just, I mean, look, he'll sit down with the group that he chooses and he'll have a good old chin whack. That's the sort of thing he does. Mm. Um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Fun <laughs> okay. times ahead. Cheers, good on mate. you, Mikey. Cheers, buddy. Uh, let's go over to Aussie. Talk to Darren. G'day, Darren. Thanks, Duffy. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, good. Have you chilled out a little, my man? Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, I'm getting better, but uh, I'm able to sleep through the night now, so that's good. <laughs> I didn't sleep much Sunday night, I'll be honest with you. I, just, <laughs> I kept getting haunted. <laughs> Time does heal so, somewhat. It does, it does, yeah. So, um, yeah, on your discussion, um, I think, number one, people are going to play in their, their positions, which mm. is... Hallelujah! I think I think that era has has gone. Thanks, thankfully, and I think Dino will be happy about that. But, yes. Um, I think the other one is, and it's something that's a hallmark of Crusaders rugby: discipline. And it's something we really lack, especially in this tournament. And I think that's something he really needs to bring back into the team, whether that's educating them, what what drills they're doing, or what you know. But um, we just can't be giving away yellow cards while we do. It's mm. just. It's a massive Achilles heel for us. And, you know, if you look at the eras of Richie McCaw and Kieran Reid, they're very, very smart players. Um, and I'm not saying Sam Kane's not, but they just wouldn't, you, know, you never heard Richie McCaw get, would get close to a red card. Like it was just, it was never a thing. Um, and I think they just need to draw that back. You know, the captain's got to lead by example. And we just cannot have players, you know, Scott Barrett's one of them as well, giving away these red cards. It's, um, yeah, for me, the really, difference is that it wasn't the headshots weren't being as policed as strictly in the McCaw days, um, but the other team seemed to have adapted better than us. We we had the most cards in the tournament, the most headshots, the most high shots, all all of those things. South Africa had one in the World Cup, yeah. and, and I think we had eight. I think it was the number, or was it seven? I can't remember, but we had a truckload. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it's bad when it, you heard Aaron Smith. Oh, we've been we've been training for a, for a card. Well, why? <laughs> Look, I understand it might happen, but it's like they know it's going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, and our tech is amazing. But moving forward, I think that's what Razor's going to bring. Um, and plus, we've seen players go under his tutelage in the last six years, and and an, a reasonably good player goes there and comes out amazing. So he knows how to man manage and get the best out of these players. Which I'm not, saying, I'm not comparing. I'm just saying what he can. I think he's what he can bring. Um, and yeah, I think Super Rugby is going to be amazing next year because if, if you're a halfback, first five, mate, sky's the limit. Yeah, well, you know, if you've been on the slide out, and I'm thinking about people like Tom Christie, Billy Harmon, Cameron Suafua, Sam Apeni Fenia, yeah. the slate's clean now. Now I just have to play better than the other guys. Absolutely, mm. and and he he knows what he's seeing in people and what he wants in those people, and um, and yeah, I think like you know Cam Roygaard, I mean he's going to be probably starting. Um, um, there's a lot of other halfbacks out there that they're just chewing at the bit, and they just need a good season under them. And mm. uh, yeah, high runners beckon. So. Bang on, bang on, good man. We'll see. Thanks, mate. Good Cheers on you, Darren. Buddy. Cheers, buddy. Good to chat. Um, <clears throat> Joey in Auckland, g'day, Joey. Yeah, g'day, Steph. Look, um, there's not going to be too many ch- changes, really, Steph, when uh, he takes over Scott Robinson. I mean, your, your, your front row is virtually okay. 
your locks, you know, um, they're, they're not going to change too much. Your loose forwards, um, I think Arnie Savia might be the captain. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that too, he's become a world player of the year. He's become a number eight. And I'm sure if you get a chance, Steph, and get hold of Murray Mixted or uh, Buck Shelford, they would say he, he, he'd probably be a better number eight now than, than an open side because he's getting older and he's got that, he's got that power from the back of the scrum. You know, you're 5'8", yes, we've got to find a 5'8". The halfback, well, Christie and uh, Roy Gard and that. And, yeah, Will Jordan will probably go to fullback. Um, uh, Damien McKenzie may come in. Um, it's no disrespect or anything to Sam Kane as taking the captaincy off him. And if he's um, a top bloke, which he is, he seems, he will just, just get on with the job and go, that's fine. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's like anything, Steph. You know, when you're playing from year to year in rugby league, if I was a captain, and I captained some of my sides, but then some years, a year later, one of my mates got the job, and I had no problem with that. And, and that's, that's how it, you know, to me, how it should be, and that's how it probably will be. I think he will change the captaincy, and I think it may be Artie Savier if he wants it. Some of those guys, might, they might turn around and go, no, we'd rather have Saint, uh, um, Sam Kane have it. And, you know, and, and Sam Kane, don't worry. I mean, it's, so, it's easy to say don't worry about what happened. Um, that was just a mistake, you know. And it's, it's not your, it's not his fault, to be honest, in my opinion, that that he was, he was sent off because he should have never been sent off. So, you know, don't dwell on it too much. You know, if I was Sam Kane, just move on because we all know that he's a fantastic footballer and he was playing really good football. And and the the officials, I we all think got it wrong. Mm. And just on the um, black caps, uh, Steph, um, when I look at it, you know, I was talking to um this morning to Louis, when I looked at it, um, we haven't really played anyone with any, you know, that that can can win that World Cup. Yes, we played England in the first game and we thought, oh, shit, they're going to be tough. Well, look, look what's happened to them. We've played Afghanistan. Now, are you going to tell me they're going to win the World Cup? <laughs> no. We've played, we've, we've played Bangladesh. Are you going to tell me, and we've beaten them? Are you tell me they're going to win the World Cup? No. We, um, we, we played um, uh, the other, the, the fourth team we beat, oh, the Netherlands. Are they going to win the World Cup? No. The three hard teams we've played, India, they beat us. Australia, they beat us again. We haven't beaten them out of Australia since 2009. And, um, and we've got to tell him up by um, South Africa. Um, I'm a little bit worried about this, this game against Pakistan because if we lose this one, uh, I think we can beat Sri Lanka. But um, I'd be surprised if we don't win another game. I hate saying that. But uh, the way, you know, especially the way, I mean, you, you, you take the runs, runs on the board staff. No-brainer, especially over there at the moment. They're scoring 300 average. So you take the runs first. If you win the toss, you're back first. And then they've got to chase you. I can't work that out. What yeah. do you think? No, I, I was the same when, when we um, won the toss and put them in. If you remember, I spoke to Mitch McLennigan yesterday, and he said if New Zealand bat first... Um, we're 100% chance of winning. If we bowl first, we're a 20% chance of winning. And we won the toss, so we had it in our hands. Now, I'm not saying Mitch was right, because we'll never know. We'll never know if we had a batted first what would have happened. But 
it took, uh, we took the power away from ourselves of making them chase, putting a score on the board and making them chase it because they haven't been good at it. And it was weird. It was just weird. They looked at what their, their own strengths were rather than the opposition weakness maybe. Yeah, that's how, you know, just quickly, that's how I looked at Steph. And, and I went, you know, like, who's, have they, have they been told that, the, that you know, to, to do this? Because after the game, he said, oh, we'd do that again. You know, <laughs> we, we would we would field again. And I'm going, well, you've just been spanked. And, and you would field again. No way in the world. I mean, even as a, a cricketer, you know, myself, not, not playing up to that level, nowhere near that. But as a, you know, a purist, I'd look at, I'd look at it and go, you're kidding me. Mm. If, I would, if I win the toss, if they win the toss in the next two games, you bat first. Okay, if you're all out for 130, you're all out for 130. Hey, they've still got to get 130, and guess what? Every ball, you can get a wicket. Not every ball, you get a run. Yeah, that's it. Get up the turbos. Good on you, Joey. Ah. Good on you, Joey. Uh, bit of cricket there, interspersed with the rugby. Um, got a few text messages, which I will get. Uh, a lot of people saying they think the captain will change. Um, and, and I'm trying to take the emotion out of it. I'd feel so sorry for Sam if he got the phone call from Ray and said, um, you're in my squad, but you're not my captain. Does Sam Kane still start at seven with Artie at eight as captain, if, if that's the way he goes? I still think Sam Kane's every bit good enough to be an All Black. Just, I just... That, that other stuff, and I take Mikey's point, hey, harden up, do you want to be an All Black, do you want to play for the country, um, all that sort of stuff. If they, Are they going to say you can't drop Sam Kane? They are a united bunch, this All Black bunch. They've been forced, there's been enforced change amongst the ranks with retirements. It always happens, but there's a lot of change. There's a lot of experience being shipped out. Do you want to create as much, well, less unrest as much less unrest. I'm trying to figure out how to say that, but there's already unrest. Do you want to create even more in a year that isn't a World Cup year? It isn't a British and Irish Lions tour year. Very interested to see the stance Scott Robertson takes with his personnel, player positions, people like Sean Stevenson, Sevu Reese, Xavier. Ray. There's, there's so many players. Ruben Love, you know, does he get a little sniff somewhere? Does Cullen Grace finally make it in? Is Billy Harmon? All these guys, really interesting stuff coming up. Give us a yellow, 0800 150 811. Really keen to hear your thoughts on it. We've just gone 20 past 12. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Got some text messages uh, from Kerry. Can't call Staffy, but I do think that Brett Cameron will be in all black again. Oh, go the turbos. <laughs> he wrote that. I read that. Brett Cameron, yeah, he's a fine footballer. I'd love to see him have a really good super rugby campaign, like injury-free, injury-free. Ken sent through his team staff, 15. Um, 15, Damian McKenzie 14, Jordan and in brackets you put fullback, I hope not uh, 13, Rico, 12, Geordie 11, Talia number 10, Perifeta or Bowden, and Bowden's a big chance to be 10 uh, number 9, Christy or Roygaard Savia 8, Papali'i 7 and Captain not yet, Ken, short do you 100% think that? you texted earlier during the World Cup that 
something like conversations have been had and Papa is the next All Black captain. I can't see it. But, hey, I'm not saying you're wrong. Savia Papali'i, number six, Akira, Blackadder, or a Bolter. I can't see it being Akira either. I can see it being Blackadder. Um, so you've got no Sam Kane. Um, Locks, you've got Scott Barrett as one and a toss-up between uh, Parkinson and Josh Lord and a front row of Lomax, Taylor, and I have to scroll down. Lomax Taylor de Groot, the bench of Williams, Newell, uh, Summer Penny Finau, Blackadder, Annandale. There's a name for you. Fakatava, Anton Leonard Brown, and Shawnee Stevenson. You've put some thought into that, Ken. Thank you for doing that and sharing your thoughts. Staffy, what about Sam Kane at six or eight? For me, his defense is fantastic. Cheers from Carl. It's fantastic. Just a little bit high. If every tackle he could make was six inches low, it would be great. Tell you, I was talking to a uh, technical rugby coach out in the cafe out there, and I'm not going to name him. Um, he coaches to a high level in New Zealand. He's, and I said, how come Peter Steph Dutoy made 28 tackles, none of them even near the head? He said, watch his technique. And he stood there. It's hard on radio to describe this, but he said, the All Blacks, by and large, they sort of brace themselves with bent knees, slightly bent knees, but he said, Peter Steph Dutoy, six foot five or whatever he is. He goes all the way down on his front knee, almost to touching the ground and smacks them. And way back in the, if I remember rightly, in the Wayne Smith days, um, they were bringing rugby league type defences and they are tackle above the ball, sort of collarbone height, um, which stops the offload. That's why that sort of tackle was, was brought in. Now it appears all the other teams have dropped that now, but the All Blacks haven't. And that's why, you know, these fine lines, these cigarette paper thin decisions and, oh, was it or wasn't it? Most teams, apart from the All Blacks and maybe Western Samoa or uh, Manu Samoa, they, they got pinged for a few high ones, haven't adapted as quickly as the other teams. And you just keep going back to uh, people criticising the referees and, and the New Zealanders got called for more cards and more headshots. Maybe it was because we were doing more. And maybe that's a really big focus. And an early caller said one of the big things for Scott Robertson is to address the discipline. And I think it's a step further. I think it's more than discipline. I think it's technique. With technique comes discipline. Not with discipline comes technique. So change that technique. The target line isn't collarbones. The target line is sternum that area, and that's that nipple line they've talked about. I really feel like that is a big, big thing for New Zealand rugby to get their head around. And I don't watch schoolboy rugby. I don't see what's happening there as far as tackle heights go. Um, Super rugby, it needs to be addressed. There needs to be like this round table and say we need to get our tackle height down. And it's got to start in super rugby because when we get to international rugby, it's got to be second nature. We've got to eliminate these cards. We have to eliminate these high shots. Have to. Have to. New sport and weather, but I'm keen on your calls. 0800 150 811. Waterforce, helping you manage your soil moisture levels more effectively. Scattered showers across Auckland, possibly heavy and northerlies. Showers turn to rain in the morning with a fine afternoon. The Kiwis meet the Kangaroos in the Pacific Championships final on Saturday night. Catch live commentary from 5pm on SENZ. Well, listen, buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. 
Oh, look, I've got a couple of good texts that I'm going to read back to back. Uh, one from Ken saying, Staff, there's a lot more names out there, just need good super form. Razor not the only selector. He will be on a leash from those above, so it can't get out of hand. Like last time, 14 Crusaders, and that failed. Cheers, Ken. Uh, from Matt, uh, Ken needs to take his blues glasses off. <laughs> Papali is not all black captain material. Along similar lines to why I think that Kane should not have been captain. He's not an automatic selection in the top 15. I like the idea of Artie, but only if he, is a, if he 100% wants it. Cheers, Matt from Blenheim. Just on that selector thing too, I spoke to a former All Black selector a wee while ago and asked about the selection process. Um, and pretty much all of his selection uh, recommendations were declined. All of them in a season. All of them. The head coach is the chief selector because really it is the head coach that rises or falls on results. It's not the selectors, it's not the assistant coaches as much as the head coach. So you can bring names to the table, you can put their case forward, but the head coach is judge and jury. Really interested to see what tack um, Razor Robertson takes though with this. I don't think... I think there's a feeling or a thought out there um, that Rays is going to fill it up with Crusaders. I think he's smarter than that. He will fill it up with the best New Zealand rugby players. I'm sure of that. There might be initially, if you look at, what's an example, what's an example, Uh, Billy Harmon, Tom Christie. For example, he knows Tom Christie and he knows what he's got. And we saw that with Steve Hansen, who stayed true. We saw it with Graham Henry, who stayed true with All Blacks, who he knew played for them well, who might not have had as good super rugby seasons as someone vying for their position. But the old All Black got in and their performance went up. So Razor will have players that he's worked with in the Crusaders that he knows how they tick, what works for them, how we can motivate them, um, and that might be a slightly safer option. If you've got equal candidates in one position, the Crusader might get it, and I understand that. I understand. I just, I just want them to. Um, I just want to pick a really good team and get them all on the page and razor us all up. Um, from Neil, poor Ken. Cannot keep his one-eyed Auckland view of potential All Blacks. Razor is Canterbury-centric, so might have three from the Blues at most. Let's see how Super Rugby goes before selecting. What if the Chiefs win and Kane is outstanding and Artie does decide to return from Japan? There's a lot of what-ifs to play out. There are, uh, if Artie doesn't decide to return from Japan, he says, yeah. There's a lot of... Lot of Ifs, buts, and maybes uh, from a Darren, his team. Wow. 15, Sullivan. Even though he's got a favouring for the 10 now. He played a season of 10 for Auckland. Anyway, he's got 15 of Sullivan, 14, Jordan, Ioani, Geordie Barrett, Mark Talia, Bowden Barrett at 10, and Captain. Wow. Falau Whakatawa in 9. Have you not got... Have you not got Camroy Guard? Shame on you. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm going to scroll to the bottom. He says, I'm probably dreaming, but go black. I'll carry on. His forward pack is Jacobson at eight, Black at a seven, uh, Ioani at six. Tell you what, I am not averse to Ethan Black at seven. 
at all. Happy to have him at seven. Uh, Ioane at six. Lord and Tupo, uh, Tupai Va'i. Oh, tu, oh, Tupai? Paul Tupai is back, but I don't think you mean him. I think you mean Tupai Va'i. Anyway, uh, Lomax, um, Tokiaho, and the group. Probably dreaming, but go black. Um, Staffy, what about Sam Kane at six? Oh, yeah, I've read that one. Uh, on Sam Kane conundrum, this is from Mikey. Do you have Artie or Sam starting as number seven if it was you making the decision? If it's me making the decision, if I had to pick an all-black team right now, um, I'd much rather see another super rugby season, Mikey, as you know, and make my decision then. But right now, I'm Artie at eight. I've transformed to Artie to eight now. I think he's got that position sorted. I really do. He's took a while to find his feet there. It was through necessity he went there, and I think he's our best number eight now. Um, starting seven, I might be a bit controversial here. Ethan Black at a seven, Sam Kane six for me, or left and right. They share it. They share it. Now, uh, the other question that you know, you've got to, you've got to ask yourself is uh, how much is Razor going to focus on that because you can tell me whether he's done this or not the Crusader staff but I feel like he's done a great job of bringing really young guys through um, you know it, it, can he can he do that at all blacks level can he bring guys through at a really really young age well not even a really young age but guys that maybe haven't played a lot at the expense of some of the experienced guys and and almost start from scratch for a four-year cycle as opposed to coming in with, I guess, used goods and trying to just mould it. Like, it's an interesting, you know, discussion as to which way he goes because, you know, the one way is he keeps as many as he can and he just brings in a couple in the first year and then maybe more in the second year and he built. But then I don't think that gives you enough time, you know, to build to a, four, to a World Cup in four years. If you, take, if you take a look at this Rugby World Cup squad, apart from the ones retiring, where any so poor that they get dropped. Can you see any of the All Black World Cup 2023 players get dropped and not be All Blacks next year? I mean, the ones that didn't play much, David Havili, he won't be dropped. Um, Luke Jacobson, he's still going to be in the mix. Caleb Clark, still be in the mix. Both got things to work on. Really interesting. The more I think about it, the more interesting it gets. Uh, we will take a break. We're just going to change tack a little bit. We've got some audio from Jermaine Isako and Matt Timoko. Kiwis playing Kangaroos this weekend. So we'll hear from them after this. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, the Kiwis camp have just completed a bit of a media session. So the first one we're going to hear from is our kicking winger, Jermaine Isako. Jermaine, another week to test yourselves against uh, the Kangaroos. I guess from that performance on the weekend, what are you looking to improve and try and win this Uh Not too much, mate. Obviously, um, you know, that first game against the Kangaroos, we knew uh, we were way off the mark in terms of... Um, a few things that we were doing defensively and um, I think this week you know we've already reviewed the game this morning and uh, there wasn't really too much to to improve on other than a few defensive reads that we got wrong but uh, we'll you know fix that and get that right over the week and uh, look forward to the game this weekend. When you play a team that's got I guess superstars in the NRL all over the park do you pinpoint players at, at all? Is there uh, anyone that you put more emphasis on than, than others, the playmakers? Sometimes but um, I think more so for us we're just wanting to play our style of footy and uh, we're looking at our team first and foremost so um, 
you know, like I said, against a, a good quality side like the Kangaroos, you can't afford to give away uh, cheap cheap football because um, you know the the, the quality uh, players that they have in their side can you know hurt us. And I mean, they played most of their football in our end of the field, and um, you know we didn't capitalise on a few of their errors and uh, didn't finish in the corners, um, which we all know when you don't you know get good field position, it's hard to put points on the board. So. Just, just on the spectacle of this game, I guess there's a bit more riding with the Pacific Championship, the chance to win it, Australia and New Zealand Rugby League back at home. I guess is that talked about the spectacle of, of what this game means? Yeah, 100%. We're, like, obviously it was our first training session back this morning and we spoke about it in our team meeting, being back on home soil again and um, being able to play in front of a home crowd. We've got a, a home crowd advantage this weekend. They obviously had that last weekend, but um, you know we'll be looking to go out there and, and put our best foot forward for uh, the last game. How much of a home advantage, you know, does that give you guys playing at home? How much does it help? Yeah, it's obviously a, a massive booster. Um, you know, when you've got a home crowd um, advantage, it's um, it's always easier to um, get up for the games, and um, you know, having that support behind you can um, sometimes lift the boys. So uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, all the Kiwi support uh, at Hamilton Stadium this weekend. How much you sort of feel, you know, for it's the last game of the season for everybody? How much is fatigue a factor? Do you think for, for some guys? especially those who have had a lot of run in the playoffs? Yeah, well, uh, for f- a few of our boys, obviously, like we don't get to play too much uh, test footy throughout the year, and um, you know some of their boys will be a lot more fatigued than our boys um, having played you know, Origin and all that sort of stuff. But um, you know the, we played, obviously, uh, two games in a row, and they obviously had a week off last week, so they'll be feeling a little bit fresher than we are, but uh, we'll be out for the challenge again. How much inspiration do you take from the Kiwi friends winning over the Tullaroos? I mean, that must have been um, inspiring for, for the men to see you know, New Zealand get up on, on, on the women's game. Yeah, it was inspiring and uh, we're really proud of the women's and um, how far they've come. Um, you know, they, they obviously got a good victory in the weekend and uh, we'll be looking to, to back that up as well this weekend and the last game. From the first game of the championship to, I guess, coming into this week, how do you feel this team's grown and in what areas particularly? Oh, the group's um, grown... Um, you know, immensely in terms of um, you know the boys coming together in, in a short space of time, and um, I think you know, like I said before, the, the Kangaroos players have been able to have you know a connection in terms of you know playing together throughout the year and, and Origin level, and um, you know for us it's all about getting the combinations right, and um, you know we, a few detail things that we need to uh, fix up, but um, you know I think we'll get that right over the over the weeks pre- um, prep and and put them to practice in the weekend. And just finally, do you guys see the Kangaroos as the benchmark of international rugby league? Oh, obviously, when you when you play at this level, it's, you know, it, I think uh, any team is, um, you know, the, the benchmark in terms of, um, you know, obviously, obviously playing at, at an elite level, but, um, you know, they've got some quality players in their team and um, there's no reason why we can't match them, so, yeah. With something like the Pacific Championship, how, is, how important is it for you guys to get those reps together as one camp, um, particularly in those non-World Cup years, and coming together for these type of internationals? Yeah, it's really important. Um, we don't really get too many um, international games throughout the year, so uh, whenever we do get together, it's, um, it's I, I think it's important that um, you know we, we take the practice as serious as we can and, and, and build those combinations because we know that you know when you're on the field and you haven't played too much footy with uh, the bloke inside and outside you it can be a little bit of trust issues whatnot but um, the more games we get to play together the more um, you can build those combinations do you um, see a way of potentially like growing the Pacific Championship you guys played Samoa in Australia but obviously there's other opponents out there that could give you guys um... I think the only really sort of way of growing the international game is to have more games throughout the year and 
I know it's obviously really tough with, the, with such a long season and obviously the origin stuff going on, but um, yeah, I, I suppose the only real way of doing it is you know having more more games, whether that's um, you know us having a, a, a few more games against the Pacific Islander countries like Tonga and Samoa, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens. There we are, Jermaine Asako there. Uh, we will take a quick break, and on the other side, we'll hear from Matt Timoko. Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. on one o'clock on Afternoons with Staffy. Now very shortly we're going to catch up with Cesc Duplessis out of Super Sport and talk some cricket, regrettably a bit of a hiding, never mind. Also this hour we're going to be talking wood chopping with Jack Jordan who's over in Stuttgart at the World Championships the TRB update, what's making news all of that and more but we're going to South Africa now and a man that's a producer and journalist with Super Sport in South Africa, much like Matty Pearce who we had uh, after the Springboks one, uh, but this one is Sio Duplessis uh, welcome in, good sir. Twice in four days, you've put us to the sword here in New Zealand. You must be dancing a jig. I must be honest, we, we're feeling pretty good at the moment. Uh, I think the, the rugby on Saturday, um, probably New Zealand have themselves to blame in some aspects. We won't get into that full <laughs> topic. Um, but today was today, Mark was one one way traffic. I'm afraid, you know. I, I just think. The way South Africa played, they were so composed. They're feeling they're they're in such a good space. You can see that everyone knows exactly what they need to do. There's this overwhelming sense of purpose, and it just looked like they had a grip on things from the start. You know, I think South Africa's batting units, the way they bowled, um, there's even competition for places. So it's a really good space for the team to be in, and considering. You know, that we leave someone like a, a Debray Shamsi out, um, who is definitely a game changer, and we play a young kid who's so talented in Gerald Kitsia. Uh, it's exciting for the rest of the tournament. It was, it was a it was a good start. Um, Quinton de Kock, we know what he can do in another century for that man. Gosh, he's on the absolute top of his game. And But even when he was in and Bavuma went out and Van der Dussen was sort of picking and poking around, I thought, oh, their run rate's down. But he, he, turned, he turned the game around himself, your number three batter. Um, what can you tell us a little bit about him? Rafi Van der Dussen is an incredible cricketer. He's an incredible human being. He's so street smart. You know, he's one of these guys that is a student of the game. He got his break in, in the national team a bit later in life, and he's, he's kind of uh, getting on in years. But in the 50-over game, he has a remarkable average. If I'm not mistaken, it's in the 70s. And he's always been at home at number three, um, playing for a franchise, wherever it is. He's recently sort of made that switch into T20 cricket where he's used his knowledge of the game, his composure, his incredible power to really make a name for himself in the T20 leagues all over the world. But in the 50-over game where he's got a little bit of time, you know, he's got a great touch game, 
He reads the game well. He's not scared to reverse slap or ramp it or, or whatever you want to do and use the elements from T20 into the, the longer uh, format. But that's where he has time. That's where he's comfortable. But a fantastic cricketer, you know, strokes the ball so nicely. And um, also one of those guys is a very sort of softly spoken, but he'll definitely have a voice in the leadership group just because of that sort of overwhelming knowledge that he brings to, to that leadership group. So he's a good man to have on your side. I think he's uh, been key at number three. It's always been a tricky position for South Africa to fill. Who do we go with the three? At the end of the day, the Fanadissan has stepped up and he's, he's proving to be a real asset for the team. I may or may not have had a little wager on a certain Mr. Clarson to be top run scorer because I am so impressed with him, but he didn't have enough balls <laughs> um, with just the 15 <laughs> off seven. We saw his danger in a very brief stint, but that batting lineup of South Africa right through the tournament, not just last night, you, you're getting two or three or four performing for you. It must be, must be a nice thing heading into the playoffs, and we know South Africa's record in playoffs, but you're really well poised. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Heinrich Klaassen is just in the last sort of, you know, 24 months, he's become this beast, if I can put it that way. He's just really bludgeons the ball everywhere. He looks very composed at the crease. He's one of these guys that can take a game by the scruff of the neck and win it for you. And it's someone who's been missing, I think, from the South African team. You know, in, in sort of the last five years, we've looked at David Miller as always that finisher, but Heinrich Klaassen really is a guy who can come in and really take the game away from an opposition. But, you know, you mentioned Quinton de Kock, and he's just been incredible. He's the first South African to score over 500 runs mm. at a World Cup. Um, he bows out after this tournament, so he's got unfinished business. Um, and I think just looking at that batting order, you know, when a guy like Kimball Mbuma gets ill, if it's a daily belly or whatever you want to call it, and a guy like Reza Hendricks steps in and scores 85 of nothing, you know, it just shows the competition for places is up there. It's probably the best space our top six have been in in uh, 50 over cricket for some time now. And they're playing as a unit. And I think it's really rare when a team has people firing and in real good form. I promise you, it feels like they're playing with cricket balls that are four times the size <laughs> that they're going with. But, but uh, they're just, you know, they, they're hitting their straps. But I think what's really important is they're not rushed. They're not bringing in the T20 slap from the beginning. I know it looks like with Quinton goes um, at run a ball, but they're using the sort of foundation. They set the platform and then they really, you know, open the gas tank and, and, and crack on as many runs as they can. So that top six is looking formidable. And then when a guy like Aidan Markram, who's also in ridiculous form at the moment, has one ball to face and hits it for six, <laughs> it just shows you that, you know, these guys are in tremendous mix. And your, your bowlers too. I was going to pick out a bowler, but just they, they just all performed. You know, we had a four-wicket bag, a two, a three, a one, and everyone with low run rates. Um, providing you can all stay healthy, is the, is, the, is the feeling in South Africa this could be the team? It is. It's, it's, quite, it's quite strange because just before the, the Rugby World Cup kicked off, there was definitely an expectation with the Springboks uh, to be to be mixing it up in the last four and you know to to get into the final if they win that would have been something that a lot of rugby fans would have expected on the cricket front you know we had a, a series against Australia where we turned things around and suddenly 
it looked like Rob Walter was this guy who's getting everyone to sort of function optimally. They were starting to hit their straps at the right time. We were like, hang on a second here. If, if South Africa, the protests can get into a, a run, especially with the format that is in this World Cup, you know, they have three or four good games and all of a sudden they're in the top four. They're even somewhere near the top. And and, and that's proved that this, this, the case this time around. They've strung together good results. I think the blemish against the Netherlands was just a bad day at the office and it was a wake-up call at probably the best time in the tournament. Like you said, our playoff records uh, and history is something that leaves a lot to be desired and we'll deal with that when we get to it. But right now, there's an optimism around the protest that especially with the way the batters are firing and the fact that the bowling attack is a little bit of everything. You've got Kakiso Rabana, Lindy and Gidi, this Katia kid who's just bowling at 145 clicks. Mm. He's, you know, the one delivery today was sensational. So there's real hope and optimism that um, the match against India on Sunday could be like that, that benchmark moment. It could be the, the moment of truth, if I can put it that way. Yeah, I was going to mention that game because that's your next run coming. And momentum is so important in, in tournaments. And we see that any sport, any code. And a Cricket World Cup's uh, the same. And, you know, with with the fact that you're now on top of the table, South Africa, you, there's no hiding in the shadows. There's no under the radar, as they say. And this clash against the home team is going to be a packed crowd. India unbeaten. Oh, it's almost uh, it's almost one of those little semi-finals before the playoffs, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that um, cauldron, if you like, at Eden Gardens is going to be something unbelievable. But the good thing is that a lot of our South African players and, and a lot of the Kiwis themselves also play in the IPL when it is those sweltering conditions. Um, I know on commentary they were saying that you know, with IPL, the sort of due factor is a lot worse. And now at this time of year in India in particular, the due factor maybe comes in only after 25 overs. So the toss is going to be interesting. South Africa quite like putting on the scoreboard pressure. India are a team who back themselves chasing. Um, you know, I think with, with the sort of balance of the two teams, you know, stylistically, if I can put it that way, it's very intriguing. It's two teams who know each other very, very well. Uh, I think it's going to lay down a marker. But then again, you know, South Africa with one foot in the semifinals, it's not going to be the end of the world if they lose. But I think they'll be definitely out to win it. And like you say, build that momentum. So when they get to the last four, you know, they're ticking all the boxes. And um, who knows? Anything can still happen in this tournament. It's been a great tournament. And uh, just to sign off, um, what a month it would be for South Africa if you dared to dream and you had two of the big sports World Cups and trophy cabinets in various places in the country of <laughs> South Africa. We know what it, we know what the Springboks means to South Africa, but this would be the candles on an ice cake if the Proteus could get a World Cup as well. It's pretty damn exciting for you guys. Incredibly exciting. I think considering the hurt that we as South African cricket fans have been through over the years. You know, we've always had an abundance of talent that just never been able to put it together. And I think if you'd ask many South Africans before Rugby World Cup had kicked off um, and said, well, which one, if you had to choose, would you rather have South Africa win back-to-back World Cup rugby titles or would you have South Africa win a Cricket World Cup for the first time ever they would probably have gone with, with the Proteas winning the World Cup. So it will be special. It will be um, a remarkable experience. I think it will be something very close to what we experienced when we hosted the 2010 FIFA World Cup. There was this 
energy in the air. Everyone had a smile on the face, you know, um, with all the challenges that we do face in South Africa. You know, we've seen how the Springboks have lifted the nation, uh, the Rainbow Nation. But if the cricket guys get over the line, it will be it will be something remarkable. And yeah, it will just be an incredible time to be a South African. Um, yeah, experiencing those two things. But a lot can still happen. Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. Brilliant. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, this morning, to, uh, tonight, your time, and we wish uh, the Proteus all the best in this World Cup. Thank you. Now, let's hope Newcastle can beat Manchester United. Then I'll be even happier. <laughs> all right. I'll keep my eye on that too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cheers, man. Thanks so much for your time. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. It is Timber Sports time in Stuttgart, Germany, and New Zealand's best prospect is over there, and he joins us now, Jack Jordan, on the phone. It's your pinnacle event of the year. Where's your excitement levels? Uh, I'm pretty high at the moment. Uh, I've still got a couple of days to go. I've got the team's event, uh, not tomorrow night, the night after, and then, um, yeah, obviously the individual the day after that. So, yeah, they're pretty high at the moment. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, you may not be aware, but I had the great Jason Winyard in studio at the end of last, might have even been about this time last year, and he was making a comeback post-COVID, and, and of course he sadly, tragically, and really felt across the country, passed away um, earlier this year, not very long ago, and um, I guess that, that carries a weight of, is it pressure, is it expectation, is it desire, because you've made no secret that you want to honour Jason at this World Champs. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's I guess you sort of not during the event, but um, it's always in the back of your mind, I guess. And uh, everyone's sort of talking about it over here, so you know you're always thinking about it. Yeah. How, what What will be the main thing missed from him from the uh, from the uh, circuit? Um, yeah, I don't really know how to answer that one. Um, I guess just as uh, um, yeah, just as kindness, I guess around. Around the ring, just the just the way he'd sort of approach and talk to anyone um, throughout an event. Yeah. So, what's your expertise? What's the, how many disciplines are spread across? You've mentioned the teams, but let's look at the individuals. How many how many disciplines are you in? Um, so, six disciplines for the individual. Um, yeah, stock saw, underhand, standing block, single buck, springboard, and then the hot saw. Um, I'm probably better in the underhand and the standard block event, um, plus the stocks, or I guess. Uh, but then last three events, it's sort of, I wouldn't say it's new to me, but um, I've sort of had to improve in them events a lot over the last couple of years, and especially the last couple of months leading up to this this event. Yeah, so um, been doing a fair bit of training in them, so yeah, hopefully it all goes well in the night. Yeah. I like that. See, when I think of the wood chopping, I don't think of the chainsaws and the saws. I think of the axes and, and the lumps of wood and um, just knocking out just chunks of wood. So tell me about how you train um, when you're back home and you're not competing. Do you just do you just offer to cut everyone's firewood? How do you go about it? Um, yeah. <laughs> No, it's not, it's not forward. I'd probably cut the least amount of forward out of anyone. <laughs> um, but basically just cutting through a piece of wood um, and as less amount of blows that you can um, without any, you know, without any sticks and, yeah, basically as fast as you can. 
I guess um, I sort of focus a lot on my technique and, and try and get that all, all going well with my timing and everything. Um, yeah, but just I'd, I'd train probably four or five times a week and, and all those disciplines. So it's, um, it's, it's a pretty hard event to train for because there's six disciplines and, you know, you've got to focus on all of them. Um, there's probably three events there that are more important than the others because the points at, um, in the last three events, they get doubled. Well, they get doubled in the last two events and then the last event, it's tripled. So it sort of all comes down to those last three events. Um, yeah. So what what's the order then? So which which, which discipline gets triple? Uh, the the triple points is the hot saw, which is right at the end. So um, the order goes: yeah, we start with the underhand uh, first up on the night, um, then it goes to the stock saw. We got two dis- uh, two rings with the six six one uh, steel chainsaw. Um, then it goes to the standing block um, single buck. After that, springboard, and then yeah, the hot saw right at the end. So. Um, yeah, those last three events are sort of yeah the more important ones, I guess, because of, uh, because of the points format. Yeah, that, that interests me, uh, Jack. That the hot saw, which I don't know, I'm guessing that's probably the most recently added one, um, isn't the traditional. I've always thought standing block and underhand were, were the two traditional ones, but is that a, the modernisation of the sport, maybe? Um, in wood chopping, definitely the underhand and the standing, standing is a more tr- traditional one. But timber sports has been around for, for years, I guess, and there's always been hot saws that goes, you know, goes way back. So um, it's yeah, it's, it's a big part of us event, and I guess we can't mind about it. We just got to try and get better at it. Yeah. <laughs> so is it sort of like the Olympics and the gymnastics? You get a gold medal for each event, and then there's the overall champion. How how do we work out who wins this thing? Nah, so the individual, um, yeah, it's the overall champion, so whoever gets the most amount of points um, on the night. So, um, yeah, it's sort of you can't afford to get a DQ or have a slip-up on the night. So there's a lot of pressure there to sort of perform in all those events as good as you can and, yeah, get on top of everyone else, yeah. So six disciplines, is that six days or is it all crunched together? Nah, she's all jam-packed, so um, the event will start 7.30 at night over here, and it'll probably be finished, well, it'll be finished before um, 10 o'clock at night, so it's all sort of crammed into, yeah, a couple of hours, I guess, yeah. You're joking! <laughs> nah, nah, she's, um, she's a full-on few hours, it's pretty crazy to think, you know, you spend, oh, I don't know how much time we've spent training over the last, well, the last six months, I guess, for this event, um, and for it to all be crammed in, that space of time that sort of yeah puts a lot of pressure on 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 all those events yeah so how many competitors jack um i'm not 100 sure actually there's i think there's 16 other countries in the individual um uh, and then that sort of there's different rounds i guess and and if you haven't got enough points going out of the first round you actually get eliminated so uh. you got to have reasonable points going through right through to the end so it um, makes for a pretty hard competition at the end of the day yeah how many Kiwi teammates have you got over there um, there's five of us over here uh, for the team's event um, yeah so we're looking pretty good I think we've um, yeah, had a couple of days training with the uh, at the German team's training uh, training facility and um, it's been going good there so yeah hopefully we can put it together on the night and uh yeah, we'll be away laughing. And have you had a look at the venue where where it's going to be held? And can you tell us anything about that? Nah, I haven't actually. We've um, yeah, uh, we only turned up uh, to the to Stuttgart here today. Um, we <clears throat> we were training a couple of hours away, 
uh, with the Germans. Um, but no, I've never actually been into the um, arena where it's being held. So uh, again, I need to might have a look around. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Do you know what is it like a football stadium? Is it indoor? What what what's what is it? What do you know about it? Um, it's indoor. Apparently, it, it sold out months ago. Apparently, it, it holds about two and a half thousand. They reckon. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a reasonable size stadium, I guess. Um, yeah, it's a bit different being inside with all the lights and that. But um, yeah, no, it makes for a great event. Yeah, we're talking to Jack Jordan, who's at the Worlds um, with chainsaws, uh, single hand saws, axes. Do you take all your own equipment? Yep, uh, yep. So we we sent everything uh, over a couple of weeks before we left, I guess, just to make sure it gets here in time and gets through customs. Um, so it's all their own gear, except for the still MS661 chainsaws that are um, they're supplied over here and they're paired up. They're identical, I guess, yeah. So they supply them over here, but everything else we bring over ourselves, yeah. Brilliant. And, and finally, Jack, I always like to know how how you found this sport or were you born into the sport? How, how did you end up doing this and doing it so well? Uh, through my older, older, older brother Shane, he um, he started when I was, uh, well, he started when he was at high school, and I'm ten years younger than him. So, yeah. um, sort of as a kid, following him around at AMP shows and that, I guess I naturally just got hooked on the sport and wanted to be like him, and eventually wanted to beat him and sort of, <laughs> um, yeah, be better than him. But you know, he was a he was a great sort of person to look up to because he was, you know, he's a world champion himself, and um, yeah, it sort of helped push me along and uh, aspire to be as good, if not better, you know, than someone as great as him. Yeah. Do you remember the first day you beat him? Um, yeah, I do actually. It was down at Christchurch. I think I was about seven. Yeah, I think I was about seventeen. Um, in the underhand, which is sort of my preferred event. Yeah, the underhand scares me. I always remember. I don't know if you know the name Rugby Edwards, but I was a little kid, and he was doing the underhand at uh, the Palmerston North AMP show, and it's the first time I'd ever seen underhand, and he was putting that axe an inch from his toes that were in sand shoes and I thought it was the craziest sport I've ever seen <laughs> yeah it's, it's um when you think about what can go wrong it's, it's a pretty pretty scary event when you think about it like that but um touch wood and yeah I'm pretty lucky to have not seen uh too much in the wood chopping ring as far as accidents and that go yeah Oh, brilliant. Well, Jack, I really appreciate your time late at night over there in Stuttgart. Um, we wish you all the well, and and I know that uh, it weighs heavy on a lot of people in sport, in your sport in particular, with passing of Jason Winyard, and I know you'll do him proud, win, lose, or draw. You'll, you'll give it absolutely everything in the, in, the, in the memory of the great man. So on behalf of all in New Zealand here, we wish you and the team all the very best over there in Stuttgart. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Oh, Jack Jordan joining us there, and we wish him all the very, very best, don't we? Uh, we're going to take a break for news, sport, and weather. When we come back, we'll catch up with Brendan Popperwell from the TAB. We're going TAB side now, and we're going to join. Oh, TAB.co.nz, that's the website if you didn't know. Easier to get the app. It's a little tile on your phone. You know what an app is, and that's what I use. Uh, and they're very, very similar, and it's got all the odds. And the wind movers and life betting, the whole lot. Life betting would have taken a smashing last night with South Africa against the Black Caps, my word. Brendan Popperwell, I know you love your cricket. You wouldn't have loved last night. 
<laughs> Wowee. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to take, but um, South Africa are playing some incredible cricket at the moment. I mean, they are scoring a ton of runs. Quinton de Kock is a very hard man to get out at the moment, and he is racking up the runs, and uh, once again, above 350 again for South Africa. Uh, so they're looking formidable. They, they are possibly one of the sides that uh, could push in, in, in India. Uh, like India look very hard to beat in this World Cup. They've got everything in their favour, home conditions. They've got every other angle covered. But um, certainly South Africa is showing that they, they could be a threat to, to one of the big dogs and obviously Australia. And let's just hope that the Black Caps can uh, beat Pakistan uh, and Sri Lanka to make sure that they're involved in that in that semi-final. Did last night's results have an effect on the New Zealand-Pakistan uh, pricing? Um, look, we, we, we were always going to have New Zealand favourites uh, in, in this market, uh, but there's just a little bit more... Uh, I, I, I guess there's not much between them now. Uh, they're 180 uh, New Zealand versus Pakistan at 197. And, and actually, we've already taken a little bit of money on the Pakistan line at 197. Uh, look, overall, I, I'd imagine as we get closer to start time that the money will keep flooding into the Black Caps. They've been very well back uh, last night and in their recent games, even against Australia. They were outsiders. They were heavily backed in that one. So... I guess it's that classic case of they just try and dump it, get rid of it, and hope that they can uh, put a good performance on the board. Because I think in those previous games against Australia and India, and obviously when they went on that four from four trot, they're actually not that far away. That's their first drubbing that we've seen in the World Cup from them. So hopefully they can uh, quickly flip and get back onto it on the right side of the ledger. Rugby League this weekend, there's three matches available to invest on at the TRB, Fiji, Papua, New Guinea. Uh, Fiji slight favourites there. England, mm, warm favourites over Tonga and the big one for us in the Tron. I'm wondering, are you going? Are, are you taking Are you taking Junior? <laughs> Look, I, I wanted to go, but then I realised it's a five o'clock kickoff, and I'm, I'm still working. Um, oh. So... I, I was really hoping for a 7.30 kickoff um, so we could actually do both work and then get to the game. So, look, at this stage, it's going to be a, a no-go for me. And I was really quite amped to get to this one. Um, but this will be a good game. This will be a good game. And we've mm. got to hope that the Kiwis at home can really deliver something here against Australia because so often we get to these games against Australia. We have hope. We have belief. And then we have what happened last week, don't we, where they just don't quite get the job done. So... Is there a chance that the Kiwis can cause some sort of upset? Well, the punters are saying so. Um, they're $4.15 outsiders, and we have seen some money on them to win the match and also on the 1-12 to 12 line at $5. They are 12 and a half uh, underdogs uh, here as well. Um, I, I guess... I guess that's the line that you, you want to be betting into, Staff. At $1.90, I think that's where punters are starting to gravitate towards. So... Yeah, if they don't get thrashed and they can keep within, and keep within a try of Australia and, and be amongst the fight with 10 minutes to go, that could be the bet in the, in the match. So we have seen some money around that. Jermaine Osako, love, uh, punters love getting around. Uh, Ronaldo and Jermaine Osako, they've been the well-backed try scorers uh, in the match. They're 240 appear to score a try. We saw uh, R- Molotalo score on the weekend and he's uh, favoured to do so again. And Valentine Holmes, 167, and the Hammer, 191, are the better-backed players for Australia. 
I just want to have a look at the NBA outrights because, um, and I guess it may not have changed, the biggest betting sport on the New Zealand TV. It always surprised people when I told them it was basketball. It's just the volume <laughs> of games, the turnover of games. Yeah. Just, just in the overall market for the NBA championship, what are we seeing there? Look, we've had a lot of different bets at the start of the season on look a couple of teams. So look, the, 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 one of the better back teams at the beginning of the season was in fact the Phoenix Suns. Now the Phoenix Suns that uh, they have traded well, they have got a team on the on the floor that looked to be formidable. So that's six dollars and fifty cents. They're sitting on the fourth line of betting. Boston Celtics uh, four dollar fifty favourites along with the Milwaukee Bucks. And then, of course, Denver Nuggets, who were so good last year when winning uh, their first championship, and they had the best player in the league, of course, uh, in Nikola Jokic. So they're $5.50. We've seen really good money around them. Away from anything else, look, the, the Lakers are always going to take money. Why? Because they are the Lakers and they have LeBron James. Now, the key with the Lakers is that they are pro- they're going to be a team that's going to be managed. And, and I mean, in terms of LeBron James's minutes on the court, so they're not going to win every game, but they're going to do their best possible to just get into the playoffs and then really try and ram it, ram it home there with the Lakers. So they're $14, but you know once they get into that playoff situation, they're going to be a team to, to beat in the comp. So I'd be, you know, you'd be looking at someone like the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors as another team, again, because they've got the big names of Steph Curry and Co. and their team that they're taking some money at that middle market of $14. There's a... Well, there's a lot of games on today, Steph, um, in the NBA as well. And I just want to quickly identify a couple for you as well. And it's, in fact, around the Denver Nuggets. We've seen really good money uh, for the Nuggets at 175 against the Timberwolves. They had an outstanding uh, playoff series last season. And we've seen money for Nikola Jokic, who's just been on fire uh, since he's come back. And the rebounds is where we've seen uh, some interest around uh, Jokic. Now, his rebounds line is 11 and a half. And we've seen some money on the over at a dollar eighty-seven. The under is the favourite, uh, but for him to get twelve rebounds at a dollar eighty-seven has been well taken. And Luka Doncic in his points, rebounds, and assist line currently over fifty-three and a half, one seventy-eight. The price there, uh, he has been on fire in terms of his shooting points. He nearly got all that on his own in terms of points in his most recent game. You add rebounds and assists to that line, that looks like a juicy one seventy-eight for mine. And finally, the James Squire Golden Eagle, ten million dollars legato. You have, let's say, let's say on Saturday night you haven't watched the race, but you look up the result. Where do you see legato finishing? Is it a top three bet? Is it a top two, top four? I, I really do think that the horse is a genuine winning chance of winning the race. Uh, I honestly do now. Her price is at eight dollars and fifty cents. Yes, she's a Kiwi, and you might feel as though you've been biased towards the horse, but she's electric. She really is um, one of the most exciting horses we've got in the country. And of course, we line her up with a horse like Imperatrice, who is our Kiwi horse, who's just flying in terms of a sprinter. But in terms of Legato, this is a horse who really can take this race out. I like her barrier draw. I like the race shape around her. Her top three price, if you wanted to play it nice and safe, is at two dollars and eighty cents. And the top four market, the top four price for her uh, is currently at $2.30. So 
If you just want to play it a little bit safe, I think those insurances on here at 280 and 230 do look to be nice plays. Perfect. Can't wait for that race. $10 million just out of this world. 1,500 metres, drawn <laughs> drawn six. Michael D, Ken and Bev Kelso are the trainers, $8.50. I think it's worth a little win bet, just uh, just a single, but mm. a top four into my multi. So, uh, Pops, it's a big old weekend as always. Um, thank you for your time today, mate. Uh, you go well. Cheers, Steffi. No problem, mate. TAB.co.nz or download the app. It's R18. Do it responsibly and have a bit of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, I've I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Oh, that tune only means one thing. It means Sammy's been scouring the globe. Ah, not scouring away. Stephen, I've got some stories for you. Have you? If you want to hear them, uh, I'll, t- I'll bring them to you. That's what I'm here for. Oh, I can just lean back on my ergonomic for chair and reason, take it in. You know, for some reason, I just feel a bit closer to you. Like, I, don't, and I know we're sitting, you know, there's glass in the middle here, but it just feels different today. It feels different. Yeah, there's um, a connection. I want to take you to the great state of South Carolina. Went to South Carolina once, actually. Charleston, beautiful, beautiful little town. Um, sort of cobbled... Um, roads all the way through. Very cute and quaint, but it also was like the slave capital uh, back in the day. So, oh, was it? Yeah, a lot of history, a lot of rich history, and um, <clears throat> I'll just say a lot of good things to look at as well. Gotcha, um, gotcha. South Carolina, uh, their football program isn't uh, thriving at the moment, though, despite the uh, the beautiful streets. Uh, two and six, uh, South Carolina the football program is there, and uh, head coach Shane Beamer, uh, who was fronting press yesterday, and this is generally an easier time of year for coaches because it's Halloween, right? And so it's a holiday, and people dress up, and there's a bit of fun going on around the games, etc. Um, and he said they asked about the criticism that he's receiving from being two and six, and he says, "Mate, I can take criticism because I get it from my own family. Facetimes his wife and kids every day. Today, they were telling me that my son Hunter has a Halloween parade at his school." I was there for it last year because it was on a Monday. My wife was telling me that he had it today, and I said, why didn't you guys tell me about it? The the response from the kid was, because you're two and six and you need to be in the office working. (laughs) (laughs) From his own son. I can imagine he's about five five or six years old. Uh, Great response from Hunter. Uh, And maybe the uh, the injection that South Carolina need to get up over that two and and six slump. Uh, Now, you know... There's this thing in um, in science uh, around space. You know, I love space. Where um, they say that the sign, uh, the sci-fi movies that come out often actually inspire um, like theories from scientists rather than the other way around. The, the, the thinking they've got behind this is because they think that like filmmakers think very creatively and they think of almost the impossible. But then scientists go and watch it and go, "Hey, I wonder if that is actually possible." And then they go and look at it. So okay. many things have actually like Ford predicted. Like a space odyssey was apparently was very revolutionary at the time for some of the concepts that it um, portrayed and then it sort of got looked into, etc. Well, I can tell you that it's happening with AI because Joe Biden has signed an executive order yesterday to beef up security measures regarding AI. Get this, after going to watch Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, with uh, with Tom Cruise, of course, according to uh, the Associated Press, Biden was profoundly curious about the technology in the months of meetings that led up to drafting the order. Uh, But after he watched the film, his uh, concerns grew rapidly. So clearly Tom Cruise has done a great job in that film, Steph. It makes me want to go watch it myself. But there you go, Joe Biden taking his cues from the film industry. Could you Uh, do a segment one day on... Because I've... 
I've never watched a second of The Simpsons. Ah, interesting. But apparently there's lots of yeah. predictions there. Yeah. Well, if they do a thousand episodes a year, you'd think that they'd get some of them, right? The freakiest one was like the Donald Trump one when it was like scene for scene, like it was him coming down the escalator in a mall waving to the crowd, and that was the exact scene in The Simpsons. Like, it was, that was scary. Mm. That was very scary. There's been other ones like World Series. With, what was the one, the Chicago Cubs in, um, in Back to the Future, right? Because in Back to the Future, he went, Marty McFly went to like, and I want to say 2016 or something, yeah, and predicted the Cubs had won the World Series. When they won, I think they won the next year, but they were in the World Series that year, so it was uh, that was quite freaky. Um, finally, uh, stick, sticking in America, and with America, it's a very American flavour today for Halloween. Um, the Ra- are they the, are they the Vegas Raiders? Where are they now? The Raiders, the, oh, Oakland, the Raiders. Oakland Raiders. I think they're the Vegas Raiders now, yeah. right? So in the NFL, um, coaching contracts are fully guaranteed, right? So you get fired, you, you basically still get paid. So they fired um, Josh McDaniel to their coach, yeah, I think yesterday, um, and John Gruden, the, the previous coach, you know, resigned quote unquote in twenty twenty one. But they still have to pay them. So they reckon, someone's worked it out, that they reckon they're paying these two blokes somewhere between 40 and 80 million to not coach. To literally sit at home and not coach. 40 to 80 million. Imagine if you're one of those coaches and then, I don't know how it works, like if he goes and gets another job, do they still, does he still get paid from Mm. the Raiders or does he, does it then sort of... Because Gruden was out of coaching for a long time. Yeah, I think so. part of the commentary team and then went back. He's a, he's a, a character, he was on that hard knocks series as well um, and a fact for, for you to finish um, and it's more of a what What do you call it like a call to arms what do you call that like a um, a call to action it's a call to action okay for, for, for all of us uh, for all of us males out there and I know everyone's doing it tough in November as well and great causes to, to donate to throughout November um, babies smile an average of 200 times a day did you know that 200 times a day Wow. Which is, I'm trying to work that out of my head, 10 times an hour, less than 10 times, just under 10 times an hour. Uh, woman, 62 times a day. Males, eight times a day. Really? So just, you know, whether it's putting a smile on yourself or, you know, trying to make someone around you smile, fellas, let's just, uh, you know, in, through November, let's just work on having a chat to one another and, uh, and upping, upping the smile count if we can. Wow. Yeah. Do you want a little fact from me? Uh, got yeah, time? Absolutely. I read yesterday, I know I watched a video of a guy and he said, I challenge you to do something for an hour. Do everything at half speed, like reaching for a glass, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And he says, see if you can get it out to two hours, see if you can get it out to a whole morning, see if you can get it out to a whole day. And then you start living your life. And he says, your whole life will change because you become much more relaxed and because everything's done at pace. And I've got to find a puck and I've got to get a pen and I've got to write that thing. You just half, just slow down. So, because half pace for me would probably be normal pace for most people. So, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. This is what's making news. We'll be back after a short break. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Sammy, Sammy, Adam Fanua Blake, 
A lot of text messages saying, is it true? Hold on, hold on. Mm. So it's just come across the airwaves. Although we won't see you again, Adam. Uh, well, I don't imagine we will. Only it's on the opposition. Gee, this one hurts that big time because, um, like, guys ask for releases all the time. The Reese Walsh one hurt a little bit as well. This one particularly so because Adam, I think, has got three years left on his contract. He wants to move to be close to his family, to his parents. What club's going to deny him that? I mean, yes, part of you from a business sense wants the Warriors to just say, sorry, mate, we're not going to grant you the early release. But another party says you're a massive a-hole if you don't let a guy be close to his parents. The thing that really gets me, and we talk about this all the time, is just how often this happens at the Warriors and how no other club really has to deal with this issue. Yes, there'll be players from time to time that want to move closer, but how often do you hear a Melbourne Storm player say, I want an early release to move back to Sydney? Mm. How many times do you hear a Brisbane player saying, I want to move closer to Sydney? Like, it's always the Warriors. Um, and they spend enough time over in Sydney anyway that, you know, they're over there every second week. Hurts big time because... You know, this year coming up, I said, was our last window for a while before we are going to have to rebuild a little bit. And um, Sean will go, Tohu will go at the end of next year. They'll retire. So <clears throat> this was really a one-year window to try and get things right. Best prop in the NRL alongside Payne Haas. And no one's available, Staff. I looked at the list for guys off contract November 1st, which is only for 2025. And there's there's no one there that comes close to Adam Fanor Blake. There's a scattering of you know, starting props, but none of them come close to Adam Fennell Blake. So unless... Unless you find, Fisher Harris wants to be closer to his family. Well, you know, but unless you can find a player who wants an immediate release in another team, this ain't happening. So, um, yeah, it's it's grim. And, and like I said, I can't see the Warriors not granting it because, you know, Cameron George has already said we're the kind of club that we're not going to deny these guys, you know, we want people who want to play for us, but we're not going to be these guys that force them to stay. So... I think it is at this stage RIP to Adam Fanor Blake in a Warriors jersey I've got a solution I've got two solutions Peter Steph the toy and Eben Etzebeth yeah why not why not just take I a mean, couple I Adam's a million plus yep well yeah he, yeah hundred. well he'd be on a million yeah, he'd be for on sure. a million so if they give him the release they got a million dollars to play <coughs> with you'd get Peter Steph or Eben <laughs> I'm not <laughs> saying like we've got a million dollars potentially and I don't think you spread it around the rest of the roster. We need a prop. Yeah, but this is. But I'm what I'm saying. Is there someone in the no. north? Does Richie Agar have a tap into someone no, in the north? No, no. I mean, this is what I mean. Best prop in the NRL. One of the big reasons why we won last year was playing 80 minutes most games, if not 70. Um, and you know, the guy. It's one of those rare athletes who is extremely agile and mobile for how big he is and how tough he is when he takes on the line. Um, in in one word, irreplaceable. So. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit in shock. Certainly didn't see it coming. Um, mm. I'm yeah. really disappointed, eh? And not disappointed in Adam because we know it's we know it's family reasons. Um, we know it's family reasons, and I'd never begrudge anyone because someone told me, you know, if my parents got crook and I said to the bosses, look, I want to get out of my contract. I want to go and live in Palmy to be on the parents. And they said, no, nah, no, nah, you're contracted. You stay. No one wins. So, God bless him and, and thank him for everything he's done. Uh, that's what I do. But, gosh, for, for, for the Warriors faithful, it, it will hurt because he's been such a fantastic part of why the Warriors have been so awesome. Um, so awesome. A couple of text messages, um, which I didn't get to in the last hour, uh, which I read that one. Uh, Staffy. Uh, 
I'd have a bet with anyone that Kane and Savia will not play in the same loose forward trio under Razor. Barrett or Savia to captain. Ken Streaming, Patrick from Ashburton. Staffy, what do you guys think about Adam? Well, we've just talked about Adam leaving. Uh, Scott says, hi, I see Will Young is the fifth fastest New Zealander to 1,000 ODI runs. Didn't know that. I love the stats. Do keep them coming. Uh, Staffy, I recently signed up to the TAB for the Mega Millions. I was sure I was going to win, but I didn't. But now I'm keen to play some more bets. I'm a complete novice at placing bets. Can you give me a quick tutorial as to how to place a bet on multiple sports that is to please a multi-bet? Uh, I'll do that. I'll do that. Not right now, but I will do that. Stay listening. Stay listening. Uh, staff, on the NRL, the Dragons obviously have got a lot of money to spend with Manu, Tracy, Dearden on the list. Sammy, have you heard any more other than those? Obviously Flanagan uh, is doing something right. May be the Dragon Glory Days will return. Any more Dragon news that you've heard, Sammy? No. Shake of the head. Um, I think Sam Kane will stay captain initially, then they will look at the future. I think Dalton will be in the conversation for being captain, maybe even Geordie. Hey, boys, I'm all about Blackadder at seven. We need more size in our loose forward unit. I'm unsure about Rico at 13. He's good, but he was the best winger in the world. Had a quiet World Cup, and yes, Artie at eight, and captain all day. Let Scott Barrett concentrate on being the world-class lock he is, vice-captain even, from Costa. Uh, under Razor, there'll be less Crusaders. Their new halfback, yes, and a handful of others. Form will get players a meeting with Razor. Razor will pick Kane if he's the best for the team. I agree with that text. Last thing, Staffy, on this Razor team, whatever happens... How bloody exciting from Mikey. Scott Barrett's disciplinary record is worse than Sam Kane's for cards, surely. If you want another captain collecting red cards, Scott Barrett's your man, Matt from Masterton. Um, will Razor be the selector? I'm not sure what form that will take. Texter. Marshy from the Hawks Bay, Tyron Thompson, Devin Flanders, Fakatava. There it is, Marshy from the Hawks Bay. Huge fan of Devin Flanders. Uh, Staffy, Sean Stevenson, man. Uh, join the NPC champs, the Naki from Irish John. Also, Staffy, on the Sam Kane conundrum, do you have Ari or Sam? Oh, I've read that one earlier before. Right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get Tony Johnson up straight after that. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Just gone 2.14, it's time to link up, as we always do, with uh, Sky Sports Voice of Rugby, who's earned a well-earned rest uh, over the next little while, I hope. Uh, Tony Johnson joins us. TJ, uh, it's that time of the year we get a couple of months to sit back, relax, reflect, deflect, all of that, pontificate. Really keen on your thoughts initially, first a lot of thoughts, the World Cup final as a whole. We've had a few days to let, let emotions and uh, die away and logic take over. World Cup final. Yeah, well, first of all, Staffy, I, I, uh, the, the voice definitely does need a rest. I hope I, I can get through this. I've, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I, I got a, I'm sorry, I don't moan about my health, but I had an awful bloody virus about six weeks ago and it's just left me with this, this cough that won't go away and it's, it's, it's I'm croaky as all hell. So, uh, yeah, as I say, I'll, I won't get through it. Yeah, look, mate, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's quite nice just to give yourself a few days, take a few deep breaths, look back on it. And I just keep reminding myself that when this World Cup started or going on early in the year, we didn't have that greater expectations of what the All Blacks could achieve at this World Cup. I think this is the first time 
that um, the, you know the All Blacks have gone into this world into a World Cup and, and really aren't um, favourites even even amongst you know fans here in New Zealand. So I do think they need they deserve some credit um, for making it through a, a very difficult side of the draw, making it all the way to the final. They played some pretty good rugby along the way. Their match against Italy uh, so against um, Ireland uh, was, was an extremely notable win in a pressure cooker environment uh, in a tournament that left two of the best teams in the world out by the wayside before the semi-finals had even kicked off. So I think from that regard, um, you know, if you'd said at the beginning of the year they'll lose the final by one point, a lot of people would have said, you know, really, you think so? Um, so not a bad, not a, not a bad achievement. And look. You know, finals, particularly tight ones like that, they just come down to the nth degree. Who's a little bit better at taking their chances? Uh, you know, a couple of decisions might go one way or go the other. And, and it wouldn't have taken much. Just, you know, a, a tiny little percentage shift, even on, on one or two of those events, and it could have gone the other way. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that, that's, what I, that's what I think about it. At, at the end of it, yeah, disappointing to lose because once you make the final, yeah, you really want to win it. And, of course, we get such a, a, a huge kick out of it. But I still think, uh, you know, to, to make it in the final and, and, and to be within Kui, you know, within millimetres of winning it, really, uh, it, it, it's still, it's it's nothing to, to hang heads in shame about, that's for sure. And it's probably been an 18 months that the team and the coaching staff have endured the most criticism, the most dumping on of all All Black time. And to, as you say, to make a World Cup final and come within, uh, you know, a, a cigarette paper of winning it, I almost hold them in higher regard in a, in a strange sort of way, TJ. You, you think about the, the coach, whether or not you, me, anyone thinks he is, was, ever will be, or the, the, the best man for the job. He was the man who was given the job. And I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, I, I thought it was shameful the way he was treated by New Zealand rugby. That, that some of the, the stuff that was going on behind his back, when he's trying to get a team ready to, you know, to go to the World Cup, um, it was just unconscionable and, and just reflects so badly on the leadership of New Zealand rugby, I think. Um, so to come through that, Sam Kane was another one who... Uh, but for some reason, uh, has attracted a lot of critics over the years. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I've, I've never spoken to a player who's played with him or against him, uh, or beneath him as captain or anything like that, who hasn't doesn't hold him in the highest regard. That he is so respected by his team and by the players he plays with and against. So you know, I, I was thrilled to see him. You know, come through the Ireland game. Uh, it was such a fine performance and then gutted for him to get red carded in the final um, and, and, and we can sort of talk about that, that, that side of if you like Staffy because to me it's just left World Rugby with some really, really big decisions to make about where it wants the game to go but um, yeah, I think to, to come through all that and, and you know, to win that game against Ireland, I got a lot of people you know, thought in the, in, deep in their gut that they were going to lose uh, and, and then make it all the way to the decider uh, you know, as I say, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Just on those wider issues, you touched on the cards, the refereeing, the TMOs. A lot of the consternation, I feel, is coming from um, countries that like to play with the ball and score in sevens, and there's silence from the teams that like to kick the ball a lot and score in threes. I just wonder if there is an appetite from World Rugby 
to be proactive to promote a more attractive game? Well, one of the great ironies that's coming out of this, and I do um, read a couple of the English papers, and once you get, you know, you get, you get some pretty pompous stuff in there, but you also get some really good writing as well. And I think um, on that note, Owen Slot and David Walsh in the Times have written some brilliant stuff about this World Cup. But it was really interesting in the aftermath of the final that some of the discussions centred around, you know, people going, "Oh, we need a 20-minute red card," and I thought, well, we proposed that to World Rugby a year ago. But, you know, as usual, the conservative forces, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere, see any of these sorts of initiatives as being some sort of, uh, you know, underhand way of finding an advantage to the All Blacks. But I think there's a general feeling amongst the the, the neutrals, and I, I do really think amongst the neutrals, and I'm talking about the same stuff, I'm not talking about all the garbage that goes on on social media, um, is that not only was the final really marred as a contest, by the incursions of uh, the TMO and the decisions of the, of, of the bunker, um, but also, you know, that they weren't evenly applied. And I think I, I think the decision that World Rugby has to make is that okay, uh, you are terrified. We understand that of the litigation that's in the air over players who've had suffered from head injuries, and you're trying to be seen to be doing something about it. But if you are going to allow or you're going to promote a system where you go through everything with a fine-tooth comb, looking for the slightest indiscretion, uh, you know, the slightest reason to rule out a try or send someone to the sin bin, then it has to be applied evenly, and it has to be, you know, applied, I think, fairly. And I, I honestly believe we didn't see that in the World Cup final, and and. I know that there's a lot of differing views uh, with regard to uh, the Khaleesi yellow card and the Kane yellow card. And there's a lot of feeling that, yep, they got it right. I, I go with Martin Johnson. Martin Johnson, the former England captain, one of the hardest men who's played the game in the modern era. He said, there's no way they were, you know, they should have both been yellow cards and that should have been it. Uh, or they were both red, or they were both yellow, or they, they were both nothing. Um, but how they... But the, but the one that got me too um, was just moments before uh, Sam Kane got done, um, and you can go through all that with a fine tooth comb. I, I to me, I think I think Kalisi should have been read it, um, but 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 moments before Kane did what he did and, and got red card, and under the laws, I think it was the right decision. Um, but I think it was about three four minutes before even Etzebeth carrying the ball into a tackle absolutely went at him with a with a cocked uh, loaded front elbow which which you know landed right flush on the side of Sam Kane's face and and yet there was nothing even it was never even looked at and and is it, what I'm saying is I'm not making an excuse for the All Blacks losing what I'm saying is if you are going to to, to impact on a final with these hairline decisions then you've got to call everything you've got to be consistent and that's what we didn't see and I think World Rugby's got to make some big decisions about that. Uh, is, is this what we really want the game to, to turn into? It's not. And I saw those, even Itzabeth actually did it twice in the final. One of them was on camera. And I just thought, I was just waiting for the whistle, waiting for the check, check, waiting. And, and it was nothing. And I thought, has everybody missed that? I thought it was the TMOs. And again, I'm with you. I'm not making excuses. And I always feel like you have to qualify the statement by saying, I still think South Africa deserved to win, but it's the yeah. it's the outside stuff that's that's really 
concerning me, um, death yeah. threats to referees and their wives and their family. And um, Cobus Reinach, Matty Pierce was telling us, Cobus Reinach was getting death threats saying, don't come back to Montpellier after they put France out. Um, it's yeah, it's well, just I gone mean, too far. I, I, yeah, I guess, um, you know, Wayne Barnes copped some pretty nasty stuff from New Zealanders post-2007. I think it was taken to another level by Russi Erasmus. And by the way, if you're wondering why... Um, the Springbok coach uh, wasn't, uh, you know, world coach of the year. That's because, you know, no one actually knows who really is the coach of the Springboks. Uh, it would have to be a joint award, wouldn't it, to him and Rassi? But, you know, it, it, it actually got to the point where I don't know that um, I've, I've seen this sort of stuff from the French before. And I think what, you know, happened was that the air got let out of the tyres when France got beaten in the quarterfinals. And that's France's own fault. They were the ones who pushed for the early draw. They, the, the French organisers wanted an early draw so they knew exactly who was going to be where so they could rev up all the interest and that, 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 that blew up in their face. Um, but they got really nasty and it was it's like all the fun went out of the tournament, you know, the quarterfinal stages. Um, and I, I'm at least pleased that in the aftermath of the final uh, that New Zealanders yet we've expressed our disappointment and some people have complained about this, that and we've, we've talked a lot about the referee. But it hasn't reached the nasty stage, mm. you know, the death threats and what have you that we've seen, at, you know, surrounding that, that Lions tour of South Africa, which just got... And if World Rugby had taken a proper firm hand then, then, then maybe, you know, things might be a little bit different now, but they, they were too weak to do that. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I, again, it's, a, it's another thing that, that they're going to have to have a, have a look at. Where they're going to have to... You know, you, you look at American sport when when players criticise officials or show any sort of dissent, it gets absolutely jumped on from a great height immediately. And I think maybe that you know that's another thing that rugby has to look at. Um, you know, as they sit back and learn the lessons. The other thing about the referee, of course, I, I worried uh, going into the final, Staffy, that you know this was Wayne Barnes's last big game. You know, the last thing you wanted it to to be was the Wayne Barnes show. Uh, it wasn't. Yeah, sure, he made a couple of mistakes, but really, it, the bloke in the TMO box and also the, the inconsistency of the of, of the bunker, uh, they, they made Wayne Barnes in the end sort of escaped from it all reasonably unscathed, I think. Yeah, I see um, Ian Foster and co have sent a file of explanations they would like, but he's not expecting a reply. Um, yeah, that, that's normal, though. I mean, yeah. that, that happens in any case. Um, that that after just about any game, the coaches will put in some sort of report or the managers. Uh, and, and so I, I wouldn't sort of see that as being New Zealand getting all up in arms about that. No, that's, just a, that's just a, a standard thing that they do. But you're right, there, w- there won't be any response. I mean, you, you think about uh, the end of the, um, the Lions tour in, in 2017 um, when the, the French referee made a big mistake which, which really decided the outcome of the series. And the best they could get out of world rugby was, oh, well, we think that it was the wrong decision, but hey, wasn't it, wasn't it a great result? You know, so that's what you're dealing with. Let's have a look ahead forward to next year. We've got time to, to relax and have barbecues and um, watch a bit of cricket, listen to it on SCNZ here, Summer of Cricket, live on SCNZ. Um, Scott Robertson is going to be the All Black coach. And, and aside of all the disappointment and all of that, it is a very fresh new look. We're going to have a lot of new players given the number of retirements from iconic All Blacks. 
um, you know, locks. Aaron Smith, who's been part of it forever. Um, a number of players going. We're going to have to find, um, you know, nines and tens, locks. I think our front row's pretty sorted out. Do you initially feel like there's going to be a big broom or a little broom from Scott Robertson? Yeah, it's an interesting one. He's gone from, uh, when you think about it, what, 16 months, 17, 18 months ago, from being um, a nod of the head and a result in Johannesburg away from becoming the all-black coach to being a bloke who's actually now got a pretty hard act to follow. Mm. And you know, anyone who thinks he's going to sprinkle fairy dust on the all-blacks, you know, that's just not the reality of it. You're right, um, a, a bunch of players and great players and... and what a shame, you know, like a guy like Sam Whitelock and Aaron Smith, people players like that are given so much of the game that, you know, they couldn't go out on a winning note, but they can still go out with their heads held high. Um, you know, he's got an unproven team around him, apart from Jason Ryan, not a lot of international experience there. He's just not going to be able, you know, anyone who thinks he's going to turn them into a machine like the Crusaders, um, that, that's just, as I say, again, it's just, it's, it's not realistic. So it's going to be tough. I think the one thing he's going to angle for uh, he's, he's already dropped a hint about it, and and it's actually worth some debate, and that is picking players from overseas. I've always been opposed to it. Mm. I've always felt that players who go overseas, uh, well, that's it. You turn your back on the All Black jersey. Um, I think you know. I bought the line that part of the re- <clears throat> excuse me part of the reason was to pr- protect the integrity of Super Rugby. But then New Zealand Rugby themselves have let players go off on sabbaticals, and they've insisted on players being stood down. So you could argue that they haven't done a lot for the integrity of Super Rugby themselves. So I just wonder whether there might have to be some sort of compromise there, um, and and maybe you only do it, you know, in 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 the eighteen months leading up to the World Cup. I don't know. Um, I probably would prefer a system where in the first two years of the cycle you can pick players from offshore and then in the last two years, uh, including the World Cup year, they have to be in New Zealand, something like that. And it would have to be uh, restricted to players of a certain status, a certain number of test matches, something like that. Look, I think it's worth revisiting. I think it's worth having the discussion um, because, you know, I know, you know, we'll, look, we'll find next year just how much, um, you know, what's brewing underneath this this, this current bunch. Um, as I say, I, I just think maybe the time has come uh, to, to have, a, have a look at it properly. Finally, TJ, we've got a text from a listener and he's saying, TJ, go to your local organic store, ask them for their best UMF honey. It's pretty expensive, but slowly suck half a teaspoon three times a day for a few days. It works a treat. So our caring listeners are looking after you. you Well, mate, um, I've got to say, I I use the, um, the, I I shouldn't give the brand name, but these Manuka honey lozenges, um, they've got UMF 10 plus. And I, I can pry in propolis or something like that. I used them during the uh, Olympics in Tokyo when, for some reason, uh, the, the way things panned out, I suddenly found myself calling 54 games of sevens inside six days. Oh. And I can tell you that every morning I wake up thinking, how am I going to, you know, be able to say anything, let alone commentate a game? And so those were pretty good. So, but I'll, I'll, I'll bear that in mind. Um, and and uh, 
hopefully by the start of the rugby season. Well, actually, I've got a now I've got a cricket gig on Sunday. Hopefully by then, my voice will have come back. <laughs> I'm sure it will. Hey, TJ, um, last time we'll talk to you this year. Uh, our listeners have loved having you on. I love your insights, your wisdom. Um, it's always a treat. Two o'clock every Thursday. We will reconnect next year. Such a valuable part of Afternoons with Staffy, and uh, I can't thank you enough. Oh, no, you're welcome, Staffy. It's a, it's a great pleasure. Good on you. Good Summer on you. well, mate. Summer well. You too, my friend. You too. Tony Thanks. Johnson, always fantastic every Thursday. We'll take news. As you may have heard, Adam Fenua Blake's asked for an immediate release from the Warriors, the man that broke the story, Michael Karianis, uh, out of Australia. He'll be on the run home straight away, straight from the top, five past three, thereabouts. Sam, we've got a lot of text messages about this. Uh, let's run through them. Uh, Doug, afternoon men. If Adam is on his way, we should chase Joey Tarpany. Maybe the Thompson twins. It's a sad day if he's leaving. Maybe relocate, relocate his parents to New Zealand. They could come flatting with me. Sammy. Uh, disappointing news, but much love to Adam Fenua Blake. Fano first and the family club that the Warriors are will know that. A Joey, mil- sorry. A million to spend is a good chunk of dosh and a good player if we can lure someone back home to New Zealand. Let's hope we be has uh, Fisher-Harris or Nass. Who's Nass? Uh, Nelson. Nelson Asof Solomon. They're probably just locked up in contracts. That's the, that's the only problem. Um, uh, yes, there's a lot of cash, but there's no stock on the shelf. Is that what we're saying, Sammy? Correct. And, and also, I said before, Adam Fanor Blake's are replaceable. So, yeah, look, you might get a decent prop out of it. I know one of the Sofidi brothers is, is off contract with the Knights at the end of 2024. But that's not Adam Fanor Blake, and that's the biggest problem here. Like and we it's were, next year we're needing. Correct, yeah, if, if it's an immediate release. Um, Joey Tarpany's actually locked in until 2027, I think. or tw- Yeah, end of 2027. So I don't think you're going to get him. Yeah. Um, Look, that's, there's only one way this works, Steph. We said it um, just after 2 o'clock. There's only one way this works. Uh, two ways this works. The first way is that they get a straight swap for, for with Adam. Um, so, yep, we'll give, we'll give you Adam, but you've got to give us James Fisher-Harris. Um, because someone said here, sorry, just I, stand by. Someone said what club? Uh, my mate told me last week that South Sydney had been talking to Blake um, and they're my team, yay, tough luck Warriors. Now, if it was South Sydney... no. Uh, Kolomatangi and who's their other starting prop? Uh, Tom Burgess. Yeah, Burgess. Yeah, he's in there. But no, but once again, neither of them I would take as a straight swap for Ed and Finnall Blake. Like there's only, I'd say three three players I would take in a straight. Uh, four players I would take in a straight swap. Either of James Fisher Harris or Moses Leota, um, as one. Um, uh, two, I should say. Haas, Payne Haas, and Joey Tarpany. Those are the only four I would take as a straight swap for Adam Fanor Blake and be happy with. Who's the big unit with the mullet from Canberra? I know he's on the other side. Josh Papaliti. Yeah, yeah no, he's spent, he's used goods now. Okay. Yeah, he's gone. Um, those are the only four I would accept as being a decent straight swap. From the only other... Um, You're not going to get a straight swap. That's when you've got okay, someone so then, who's a proper... Who, who's like the... Fifth or sixth prop. So the only other way it works is that if there is another pr- a prop out there who you know has some Kiwi cousins that they're missing, you know Payne Haas wants to come back and see his Kiwi cousins, so he you know asks for an early release from his club and, it, and that makes it happen. But there's just no way dancing around it. It's it's terrible for the Warriors. Um, it's it's funny too. I'll be messaging a mate um who works there and and you know he he's almost too much of a fan because he was just like oh well you know p- person before player we go again next year and I'm like dude, this is not. Um, Josh Curran or Bunty Afoa or 
you know, um, even Tohu Harris staff at the age that he's at. This is literally the premier prop in the NRL, a guy that we've still got, I think, for another three years, who won prop of the year, um, was one of our best players, and we will need if we want to come anywhere close to winning a competition. So, you know, when you looked at that squad maybe, on paper... Maybe, I'm, I'm trying to see this on a good side, right? Maybe there's... Jackson Ford was no one, and he became valuable. Is there a prop out there who could come I, here? I like your optimism, and there are good props out there. I'm not denying that. There are not Adam Fanor Blakes out there. That's, that's the issue here. So mm. you think about the Warriors squad last year, and I think someone might have raised this on the text machine as well, and you're probably two or three key positions away from being that premiership winning team, right? We had a real issue with someone next to Sean. Like, yes, Luke Metcalf was good. Then he went through a patch where he wasn't so good for two or three weeks. Then he gets injured. Tamari Martin sort of wasn't quite up to it when it came to finals. So he's maybe a six next to Sean away. We're definitely a prop away. So we had Adam, but they were playing Mitch Barnett in the props, and it was okay. And then we brought that impact off the bench with Jazz and, and Dylan Walker playing in the middle. But if we had another really good prop there, it would be awesome. And then we probably lacked, and I know we're getting it in Roger, but last year we lacked probably that strike on the outside in the centres, or maybe it was one of the wings. I mean, Dallin obviously scored tries for fun, but just a just a bit of X factor out out wide. So you're looking at that. You take away Adam Fanua Blake, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you need you, you're two props away, which is a massive ask from winning a competition. Um, and once again, you know, I said this last year or last season um, to people when I was talking about why I didn't think the Warriors would win a grand final. It wasn't that I didn't think the Warriors were were good. It wasn't that I didn't believe that they could um, win, a, win a, in a grand final. It was just simply comparing them to the other two teams, Brisbane and Penrith, who were by far and away above everyone else in 2023. And you saw that in the grand final and how good that game was. They, they were the two clear best teams. And the Warriors needed everything to go their way with the team they had. Now now what? If, you know, if, if they're losing one of their best players. I want to read you this one. It's from a life member of the Warriors, Sam. I'm sorry, but this is an excuse, and the club need to grow a set and say no. It's only a three-hour flight home. They use it as an excuse. As a member, I'm going to be very angry at the club if it's true. So they play in Sydney every fortnight, mm -hmm. on average. Yeah. You know, um, He can stay an extra day. Yeah, well, yeah, they, 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 they've been doing that. I won't say the player, but there's, I'll, I'll say players. There's been players who have had personal things going on that the Warriors have been happy to fly them back, back and forth for, um, that have helped keep them at the club. But the, the as I understand it, the approach that the Warriors are taking or, or have taken uh, in recent times is that they don't want to be seen as a club that if you sign – because let's be honest, when you do sign as an Australian, you are taking a bit of a punt on a New Zealand team and being away from your home and family – They've been very much of the of the belief that if we allow players to leave when they when they have these things pop up, it will entice people to come to the club because they know that if they come, staff, it's not like they're locked in for three or four years and they can't leave because the club doesn't release players. So in a way, it's a catch twenty two because sometimes it it brings players in who maybe are a little bit hesitant. Oh, I don't want to be there for five years if I don't like it. What am I going to do? But also, it means we lose some players, you know, because they 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 take up that option. Mm. And I, so my thing is, I can't see Cam George not honouring this because he's honoured honoured all the other ones in the past. Um, and given it's a family thing, it's not just like a, a you know, I want I just want to move. It's it's his parents, um, you know, family. Had some important. text messages, people saying, um, why did he leave Manly? Someone else saying same excuse he gave to leave Manly. 
I don't know anything about that. No, I think there are other things going on at Manly there, Mike. I might have to go and revisit that article you're talking about, but I have another story in my head as to why he left Manly. I won't say it on air, but um, yeah, I'm not sure it was the same thing. But the next quick question is who on earth is going to pay for Infinite Blake? Because you've got to pay him a million bucks. Mm. Um, or there well, or thereabouts. I mean, a dragon probably he, are the only one. Or the Tigers. It, he might do it for 700 because he wants to be back with his family. Who's got cap? Uh, the Dragons, the Tigers, maybe. I mean, yeah, Penrith will be flirting with the cap. So, obviously, the Roosters don't even have a salary cap. Manly. They have a sombrero. It'd be funny if he went back to Manly. Um, mm. Mm. Um, this has made me quite ill. Unless we have a Payne Haas, James Fisher-Harris, Moses Leota, Tarpany, we actually can't let him leave. We were one starting prop away from a perfect forward pack. Sorry, Adam, Sydney's only three hours away. Champ from Paddy. Um, solution for Adam for Blake, fly him to Auckland for trainings or buy his parents a house in New Zealand and move them over here. Tim from the 09. All fixable. Um, yes. Yes, yes, yes. We want to try and win some money. We got oh so close last week. 0800 150 Show me the money time. Let's get four out of four. Not three out of four and lose by one point. Let's get it this week. 0800 150 811. Give us a call. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Just before we play Show Me The Money, so isn't it funny how the NRL, they just stay in the news? Oh, they do. I thought <laughs> I was having an off-season here. Um, just quickly on, um, some people have said, it's pretty simple, you just don't let them leave. You just say, we're playing hardball, you're not going. That doesn't work in any sport, staff. You tell me a sport where you've got a guy playing for you who doesn't want to be there, and everyone knows he doesn't want to be there. His teammates, um, you know, the fans, everyone knows he doesn't want to be there. So what happens when he doesn't play well next year? You know what I mean? Mm. I'm not, not questioning his sort of commitment, but I'm, well, or his uh, motivation to play or whatever, but um, I just don't think that works well. And people talking about the um, excuse of him leaving Manly was compassionate grounds. I, I, I'm not going to go into what I thought it was because – you know, I, I don't want to get it wrong and I don't want to throw out accusations there. Maybe it was compassionate ground, so if that's what it was, then fair point to you. But I just remember there being more to it. And it wasn't what one of the texters text in about. It wasn't what, you, what you've what you written there. That's not what I was thinking. Anyway, I know that's all very under under the fog of the war. The text number 724. Correct. Mm. Uh, Damon from Palmy. Is that who you won? the hometown I've spun the wheel when he's come in. Damon. How you going, boys? Yeah, right, going good, good, Is it windy there today? No, she's hot as. Uh, been uh, pretty pretty hot down here the last three days, actually. We've been blessed. Yes, boy, I like that. The crops are flying. Doesn't sound like the, palmy at all, Steph. The rose gardens will be thriving. <laughs> the Spanish oh. football team will be coming back in droves. Oh, they um, should have ridden on the miniature railway. Right, show me the money. Four league, we were one off last week, and that's because someone picked the uh, the All Blacks. Uh, uh, Mark Stafford. Yep. May I start with you today, good sir? Yes, I'm going to be led by Brendan Popwell in our TAB uh, link up uh, over an hour ago now, but he convinced me 
He says Legato is a winning chance in the $10 million race, the Golden Eagle, on Saturday. Um, it's $7.50. It was $8 when I was talking to him. I'm just going to go really conservative. It's still more than 2 bucks. It's $2.20. Legato in the Golden Eagle, top four finish. Show me the Fly home to roost, baby. Come on. Come on, the Golden Eagle. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with what worked for me last week, Steph, and that is the great sport of ice hockey in the You're NHL. Um, now, you, I told you about this tactic, and you, you, you didn't turn your nose up at it. Go to, the, go to the schedule, see the worst team in the NHL right now, and that is the San Jose Sharks. Who are they playing? And what's the result going to be? So they're playing the Vancouver Canucks, who are actually doing pretty well in 2023. Um, I'll just run this step by uh, um, Damon. The Vancouver Canucks are currently fifth on the NHL's list for goals per game. They score average four per game uh, across nine games, so 36 goals across nine games. The San Jose Sharks, well, they average just one a game. Oh. They've scored nine goals through nine games, which is abysmal. So the Vancouver Canucks will win that game. They will win by more than one and a half goals. They will win by two goals plus, and that is paying $2.11, Mark Stafford. Show, me the money. Show us the money. Damon, it's down to you, my friend. Well, I think Devin Conway's juice. I'll go him for him. Uh, New Zealand top scorer at three seventy-five. Oh, and that's uh, who are they playing next? Pakistan. 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 And you go New Zealand's top scorer. New Zealand's top yes, run score at three dollars seventy-five. Sure, now, Damon, uh, as a three-leg multi, we've currently got that at seventeen dollars and forty cents. Would you like to add a fourth, or would you just like to leave it there? Well, I was surprised you didn't throw in a, a, a league, being a league expert in the Kiwis games on the Saturday. So why don't, why don't you pick a first try scorer for us? Because uh, oh! I haven't really put much thought into it. Okay, Damon, because I was, was, was going to say, Damon, at the moment, it's at 820. Any time try scorer. Um, Does it have to be a Kiwi? Oh, oh yes. Okay, Sam, no pressure, uh, champion. Um, gee, that is hard. No, it's not, is it? Molotalo or Sarko? Those are the two wingers. Mm. Oh, I don't want what that sort of... What about Joey Manu? What's Joey Manu playing? He's paying $3.25. Damon, I do not want this on my shoulders. So if you want to throw something in there, mate, it's all on you. I don't want that. Don't you put that evil I'll on throw, me. I'll throw, Joey, I'll throw Joey Manu on there. He's going to have a blinder. Big Joey Manu. Oh, he's he's got the shirt off and he's got to try. It's, uh, that bumps it up to $56.57. So $50 TAB bonus back. Curse of the TAB. $2,778.71. Oh, That's serious money. Love it. That's serious money. It's a couple of lunches for and staff, Damon. So just keep that in the back of your mind, all right? I'll send something up, but can you put it in my account fast? Because I'm off to the Melbourne Cup tomorrow, so oh! I might have a bit of play put money it, over. Put it all on, the, pull it all on the nose of a horse, yeah. and uh, tell him we sent you. Good man, Damon. Yeah, <laughs> have a fantastic trip, mate. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Oh, lots of money. Lots of money. We've got to get out of here. We've got to go back in the day. Surely that is a show me the money. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Here's what happened back in the day. In 1991, on November the 2nd, it was the World Cup Rugby Final. And that's it! The final whistle goes. Australia said from day one they weren't coming here to run second. 
and they've taken the trophy. Tony Daly, the only try scorer for the Wallabies as they beat England 12-6. And in 2004, today was the first Tuesday in November and Maccabi Diva uh, won last year. She's got right up on the inside, Maccabi Diva. She's hit the front now from Vinnie Rowe and Zasman. It's Maccabi Diva clear. She's out by two lengths to Vinnie Rowe. It's Maccabi Diva clear and she's going to do what no mayor has ever done. Maccabi Diva wins it again. Yep, the first mayor to win back-to-back Melbourne Cups in the race's 144-year history. Glenn Boss rode Maccabi Diva on both occasions. Birthdays today, Ben Graham, our SEN colleague over in Australia, NFL punter, former NFL punter, uh, and turning 32 today, Jimmy Garoppolo, NFL quarterback. The number one movie on this day in 1955 was Oklahoma. The number one song was this. Little girl, don't you understand? I want to be your lover man all by myself. Fats Domino all by myself. Me and Sammy will be back tomorrow. Thanks, Sammy. The run home's next.